Amen. Amen. Let's give our kids a hand, by the way. We're glad you're here with us. Thanks for being with us today. We're also glad you're joining us online. We're glad that all of our adults are here today. We are in a series called Jesus Is for the last several weeks, and we've been talking about some different things that Jesus referred to himself as. And I'm excited today as we unpack what we're going to be talking about today, which is Jesus is the door to salvation. Let's read that together. Jesus is the door to salvation. I don't believe in accidents today. I don't believe that you just kind of stumbled in here this morning. I believe you're here by a divine appointment, and I think God wants to do something today. We'll have the opportunity to re- receive Christ today. We'll have the opportunity to take communion together as a, as a family of God and hear what God wants to say to us. As I said, we're going through this series. We're talking about Jesus being the door to salvation. Um, last week, we touched on it, and then a couple weeks ago, we also mentioned it in what we were talking about today. So some of you might be thinking, oh, we're going to talk about the exact same thing. No, today we're going to talk about how when, when we enter the door of salvation, meaning that we ask Jesus into our heart, it opens up other opportunities. And we're going to be looking at that today. But we're going to revisit a scripture because last time we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd a couple, two or three weeks ago. And in the midst of that verse, he mentions the words that calls himself the door. So let's read that. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be, he or she will be saved and will go in and find, and will go in and out, makes me think of In-N-Out Burger, will go in and out and find pasture, okay? We're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but so that, here's what that means. Jesus is telling us that he is not only the shepherd of the sheep, but, but also the door of the sheep. In doing so, he is vividly contrasting himself with that of the religious leaders of his time, whom he describes as thieves and robbers in John 10, 8. So here to say all that, when Jesus says, I am the door, he is reiterating the fact that only through him, let's read it, is salvation possible. Christ is the only door to salvation. That's what we've been talking about um, over the last few weeks. So I wanted to give you just a quick little vivid illustration here for not only kids, but all of us. When Jesus is saying this language of the sheep and the sheep pen and the shepherd, and he's saying he's the door, what he's saying is, is during those times when they would go in um, in evening time to lay down to go to sleep. There would also obviously be wild animals that would creep up and pick off the sheep. So they would put them in this entrance so that they could be protected. And then the door, there wasn't really a door or a gate. Jesus is illustrating that, because this was really what would happen, the shepherd would lay down or sit in the entrance to where the sheep went, and he was the gate, he was the protector, he was the door, he was the entrance. So Jesus uses this analogy to explain that he is the only door, the only gate, I think this is the clicker, he is the only way into salvation is through the door, which is Jesus Christ, okay? So what we're going to talk about today as we lay that foundation is 
That's not the only door that we're going to go through. We have the homestead over here, and we deal with college students. And it's really cool to talk with college students because they're wrestling with, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I going to marry? What's my job going to be? What's my major going to be? I remember going through that. Some of you went through that same thing. Some of you are in the process of going through that now. And it's a wonderful experience. But there's other doors to go through, right? And each period of our life has another door that we're supposed to go through. Salvation is the entrance into following after Jesus, but there's other doors, okay? Let's read this together. Salvation through Christ leads to other doors of opportunity. When you give your heart to Christ, it leads to other doors of opportunity. So I want to share with you um, a quick story that kind of illustrates this. I have several siblings, and my, I'm the oldest, and I don't act like the oldest. Sometimes I act like the youngest, but I'm the oldest. And my second brother, Jade, he's two years younger than I am. He's a pastor in Maryland. But when, I was, when we were in high school, my brother, Jade, was the real deal in terms of his faith. He followed Jesus. He wanted to, to live for him and do what he wanted, God wanted him to do. And my family went to church. We didn't have any, there was no questions. You went. So I went. And from a distance, people thought I was kind of following God, but I really wasn't. And my brother Jade, you know, the people that live with you, they know you the best. And my brother Jade knew this. And so we would always argue. He was always a better brother than I was growing up. I just wasn't the greatest sibling in the world. But anyway, when we were growing up, and I remember specifically there was a time where Jade had totally given his life to Jesus and really began to follow after him. He'd walked through that door, so to speak, to illustrate what we're talking about today. He'd walked through that door of following Christ. And he began to not just walk through that door, but he began to say, God, how can you use me? I remember him talking about, man, I just want to follow God and do what he wants me to do. And so one day we were in the house and we were arguing about something and I was giving him a hard time. And he said to me, he said, I just want you to know something, Kyle. He said, you are lost. And what I should have said was, you're right, how do I find Christ? But what came out was, shut up, don't tell me what to do. Okay, and I remember saying something like that to him. And he said, you're lost the way you talk to me, the way you talk to other people. Your actions do not reflect Christ. You go to church with us and all of this, but I just want you to know that you are not where you need to be with the Lord. And I just remember, first of all, being really angry and wanting to punch him in the face. But I also remember, like, once I got past the fact that he said that to me, I actually stopped for a minute and I like, he's right. And I share that illustration with you because once Jade and, and all of us, for that matter, that follow Christ, but in that example, when I was a kid, once he had walked through that door of following Christ... It led to him going through another door of opportunity, which is not just to follow Christ, but to begin to try to get other people to follow Christ. Does that make sense? And he started with, with me. Now, I wish I could tell you that that day I got down on my hands and knees and said, hey, you know, I didn't. But what it did do was it started a process in me where I realized I'm not where I needed to be. See, I, I want to tell you this today. That's, that's just an example but what I'm getting at today is when you are a follower of Jesus, it's not just one door. You continue to walk through the doors that Jesus puts in front of you. And there was a church in Revelation. There was actually seven churches in Revelation that 
um, Christ was trying to write a letter to, that he used John to, to write that letter. But anyway, and two of those churches we're going to look at today. One is Philadelphia, and the other is Laodicea. And really what we're going to look at is one church who walked through the door, similar to what the story that I just talked to you about, and it led to other opportunities. And we're going to look at another church that maybe walked through the door but just didn't do anything, and they became lukewarm. So there was a church in Philadelphia. We read in Revelations chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who was the key of David. He says, What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. So John, hang with me. I know this is a little back, back story here. But John, through the Holy Spirit, God given him insight, was giving prescriptions to each church based on where they were. So if you were to go to the doctor and you had high blood pressure, they'd give you a prescription. Somebody else goes to the doctor, something else wrong, they give a different prescription. And so he would write these prescriptions. Philadelphia was basically the only church that got a really good clean bill of health, okay? So here's what it says. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all things that you do, church in Philadelphia, and I have, let's read those words, I have opened a door for you that no one can close. So we're going to find out in just a minute. Their faithfulness is what opened the door for them. You have little strength, yet you obey my word and did not deny me. So in other words, what we find when we read this is they, it, Jesus wasn't impressed with all the flashy stuff. He wasn't impressed with their ability to necessarily influence everyone in their culture and bring everyone in by groves and all that kind of a thing. He was impressed by their faithfulness. Some of you who are uh, generation, what's my generation? Generation X, I believe. Do you guys remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Some of you are younger, like, who's Indiana Jones, okay? But anyway, in Indiana Jones, the Last Crusade, they're, they're trying to find the cup of Christ. And they come to the very end, and they go in, and, and they're trying to find out what the cup of Christ looks like. And it's a risk, because if you drink the water and it's the wrong cup, you die, okay? It's a movie. Anyway, so the first guy goes up, and he's looking at the outward stuff. And he finds the most flashy cup there is, takes a drink, and the guy goes into dust right there in front of him. And then Indiana Jones in the movie, he's looking around and he's not looking for the same qualities that the other guy was looking at. What would a carpenter drink out of? And he finds the most commonplace, dirty cup that there's nothing fancy about it. And he chooses that cup and that ends up being the right cup. Can I tell you that the things that God looks at are not the things that men look at and women look at. And the things that God values aren't the things that the world values. God is simply looking for us to be faithful. And Philadelphia was faithful. They had walked through the door of salvation, but that wasn't the only door that they walked through. They began to serve and they began to walk in God's ways and follow after God and follow his word. And it led to other, other things. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this. A lot of setup today to get to this point. Faithfulness to Christ opens the opportunity to share and proclaim Christ. Let's say that again. Faithfulness to Christ opens doors of opportunity to share and proclaim Christ. 
Now, we can try to share our faith while we're being um, a hypocrite, but it doesn't hold any weight. We all know people like that. Versus knowing people who are trying to live out their faith, it gives them a platform to be able to share Christ both with their words and their actions with other people. So I got to reading that scripture that we just read, and there's something called a commentary, and it kind of explains further the verse. Here's what it says it opens. When we follow Christ and we walk through salvation's door and we continue to walk, it opens a door of opportunity to the churches. It opens a door of utterance to its minister. It opens a door of entrance, meaning opening the heart. It opens a door of admission to the visible church. It opens a door of admission into the church triumphant. It opens doors. Faithfulness to Christ leads to fruitfulness in Christ. We need to know that today. And if you don't know that, if we're going to be fruitful, it's going to start with being faithful. And we can't be faithful if we're not being fruitful. Amen? Let's read it. Faithfulness to Christ leads to fruitfulness in Christ. Do you want to know how you can drive down the road And tell if it's an apple tree or not. This is deep. You ready? There's apples on it. (laughs) Years ago, we took a a mission trip to California. And while we were out there, there was these orange trees. I know my father-in-law can drive down the road going 70 miles an hour and three rows back say, that's a hackberry tree or something. And I'm like, how do you know that? But I was smart enough to figure out that that was an orange tree. And the reason why is because there was oranges hanging all over it. I know, that was deep. You need to write that down. (laughs) Do you know how people are going to know that we follow? If it's fruit, if there's fruit on our tree. Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago. What fruit are we talking about? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That fruit becomes evident. And let me just tell you something. We just celebrated my grandma's 93rd birthday. She's smart as a tack. She's with it. And you know, as we grow older in our walk with Christ, the fruit in our life should just get sweeter and sweeter and more pronounced. And that's what it means when it says faithfulness to Christ leads to fruitfulness in Christ. Listen to this quote by Henry Nouwen. I love this. I need to read this daily. Listen to what this says. We are called to be fruitful, not. We are called to be fruitful, not successful. For those achievers in the room, we are called to be fruitful, not successful. Not productive, not accomplished. Success comes from strength, stress, and human effort. Fruitfulness comes from vulnerability and the admission of our own weakness. How many of you in the last 18 months with COVID have felt weak, felt inadequate? My wife put this funny gif on Facebook, and she was talking kind of about personal, but it really, it's all of us. Like, everybody's looking at everything going on like, what? Like, what? This last year, 18 months, is like, what is this all about? We feel we're walking around inadequate discouraged, all these things. 
and we feel like we're not enough, I want to tell you I'm reminded more and more each day that I absolutely am not enough, I am not adequate, and neither are you. But listen to this. Let's read that first sentence. My grace is all... You're not enough. You're not enough. None of us are enough. But He is enough. Amen? My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. In humility, right? Not pride. It works best. It works best. Listen to this. Christ's power... Right When we walk through the door of salvation and we continue, what, what opens those doors, each door that we can walk through is not pride, it's not humility, or it's, it's not pride, it's not all these other things that our life can be made up of. It's through humility and saying, I am not enough that Christ says, listen, I'm making myself perfect in you through your inadequacy and your willingness to rely on me. Continue to walk through doors. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Let's read it together. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now we, if you've been around the church, you probably heard that a million times. And if you haven't, now you've heard it. But man, how often do we need to be reminded of it We don't have to be enough. He is enough. And His grace is sufficient in our weaknesses. I got to thinking about, well, like, what is our weaknesses? It's not talking about sin. Christ is made perfect in my sin. Christ is made perfect in my selfishness. Christ is, I mean, that's not what it's talking about. He's not meaning sinful infirmities, those we have reason to be ashamed of and grieved at. But he is talking about our afflictions, our reproaches, our necessities, our persecutions, and the distress that we go through for Christ's sake. Walking through the door of faithfulness will always lead to walking through the door of fruitfulness. Christ calls us to be fruitful and be faithful. So there's the church in Philadelphia. They walked through the doors of opportunities that were in front of them. Jesus says he opened up the doors to them because of their faithfulness. Well, then there was another church in Laodicea. And they were a lukewarm church. If you've grown up around the church, maybe you've heard this story a lot. If not, here's the story. There was a town called Laodicea. On either sides of them were two different towns. One was called Colossae, and they were known for their pure, clean, cold water. And there was another town called Heropolis, which was known for its hot springs. Those would feed into this town called Laodicea, and it made for tepid, lukewarm drinking water. And when Jesus is giving a prescription for the church in Laodicea, he uses their water supply to illustrate their issues, okay? The church in Laodicea did not have open doors of opportunities, but rather closed doors with missed opportunity. <clears throat> and here's why. He says, I know all the things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like, let's read those words, 
Luke, lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I have everything I want, <coughs> excuse me, I don't, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Laodicea was actually a wealthy community. And they had a lot of pride and took a lot of stock in all the external stuff. And God's like, you all think that you're good. You guys drive nice cars. You make good money. You're successful. Your economy's going well. Whoever's in charge of your businesses here in Laodicea, they're doing a good job. City manager's doing a good job. Everything's going really well. You guys think that you all, I mean, you meet every week. You show yourselves in these places, but you are lukewarm. You are not following after me, and you are missing opportunities because of that. He says, I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. I heard somebody say one time that the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. When we become indifferent about the fact that people around us don't know Christ, the church had kind of gotten like this. So then he says the famous scripture that maybe some of us have heard, Look, I stand at the door and knock. When you study this, what this is saying is that the church of Laodicea had kicked Christ out of their church. And Christ is on the outside of the church looking in saying, Hey, can I be in charge? Can the wealth in your church not be in charge? Can the things that you want... Can those things be put away and I can be in charge? I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, here's the promise, I will come. I will come. I will come. Christ will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Some of us know what it's like to have adult kids that are doing really well and we brag on them and we talk about them to people. Hey, he's doing really good. She's doing really good. But sometimes we have a kid that's not doing really good. How's, your, how's he doing? How's she doing? Well, pray for him, would you? And whether your kid's doing really well or not doing really well, you love him the same, right? Christ loves the church in Philadelphia. And... and because they're being faithful, there's doors open to them. Christ loves the church in Laodicea. And because he loves the church in Philadelphia, or in Laodicea, he stands and knocks. Did we catch that? So here's what you need to know. If you're lukewarm today, you invited Jesus into your heart. You heard it. You know it. Jesus died for my sins. He rose from the dead on the third day. I know that. I went to Sunday school. You walked through that door. But you hung out in that room. And you've never been faithful to share Christ. You've never been faithful to say yes when he calls you to serve. You've never been faithful to when he talks to you about the language that you use to clean it up. He, you, you, he's, you've never said yes when he's asked you to contribute financially to something. I mean, on and on we could go. You walked through the door of salvation, but that was it. 
And that is a recipe for becoming lukewarm. That's the negative. The positive is, is that instead of Jesus saying, well, you don't get it, forget you, he loves you, so he keeps knocking. And I'm hoping today, maybe it was in the last service, or maybe this one, or maybe even somebody at home, that we would respond to that knock today. That we would recognize, for some of us, that we are that lukewarm person or that lukewarm church. And we begin to say, God, not only do I hear you knock, but I'm going to open the door, not only to salvation, but other opportunities that you give to me. The church in Laodicea had the opportunity to answer God's knocking, and so do we today. When I was growing up, we went to this little bitty church in the middle of nowhere in Monmouth, Kansas. I don't know if anybody knows where Monmouth, Kansas is. It's in between Cherokee, Kansas and McCune, Kansas, for those who are locals. And at the front of the sanctuary, growing up for years and years, I don't know if it's still there, but there was this picture, this exact picture that was hanging on the wall. And I didn't know that I stand at the door and knock Scripture. And then later as I grew up, I heard the Scripture, but I didn't know it was connected to the verse that we've talked about today. And I just kind of thought it was talking about the heart's door. You know, Jesus is knocking on your heart. And to a certain degree, that's true. But if you take it within the context of the verse itself, it's talking about a church who somewhere along the way have let other things in and kicked God out. What about us? What about you? What about me? Is Christ knocking on your heart's door? Is he maybe revealing you through the Holy Spirit in this moment right now some things that you have put ahead of God? Or maybe he's giving you confirmation, nah, you're good. See, Jesus is the door to salvation. And he opens doors of spiritual opportunity to his faithful followers. I want you to know right now, my brother Jade, if he was at that point in his life, if he would have been lukewarm in his faith, he would not have shared Christ with me. But because he was where he needed to be with the Lord at that moment, right? I mean, at any point we can choose any path. But at that moment, he was being faithful to Christ and it opened the door up for Jade to hear your brother. Your brother. Can I just tell you today that your lukewarmness or my lukewarmness, it doesn't just impact us. It impacts your kids. Parents, did you know that your lukewarmness can impact your kids in direct, but a lot of times in indirect ways? Do I have to go to youth group? Nah, don't worry about it. No big deal. Do I have to go to kids camp? Nope, you don't have to go to kids camp. It's been four years since you've been in church. Don't worry about it. We'll get it. You can watch online. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Hey, 
This person that you, that you work with is lost. I'll get around to talking to them about it. I'm lukewarm. So I hear you, God. Don't worry about it. I mean, you guys get the picture that I'm painting. Jesus says that he would rather us be on fire for Jesus or just be honest in saying that we're really not following Jesus. He's actually okay. He's not okay, but he's, he understands the logic better in someone that says, I'm just not really following Christ. And he understands the logic in the person saying, hey, Christ is my everything. But the one in the middle that he hates the most, the ones that the scripture says, I mean, if you're making this a biblical message, right? That's what it's supposed to be. If we're following scripture, he says the one that really frustrates him the most, the one that makes him want to gag and spit out is the one who says they're this, but they're really living like this. That's a biblical fact. And probably what's wrong with the Western church today is we're lukewarm. We're not following Jesus with our whole heart, but we're also not going to sit here and admit that we, don't, we aren't Christians. So we find ourselves right in the middle. And let's just be honest, I'll go first. If I was to look back at my life, I can say there's been moments where I'd probably been in the middle. But that's not, the, that's not where Christ calls us to be. My brother doesn't share the fact that I need Jesus if he's lukewarm. He shared it because at that point, he was walking with Jesus and listening to him and hearing from him. And God put a burden on his heart for his older brother It was being stupid. And if he would have been in the same place I was, because I wouldn't have said I was an atheist. I wouldn't have said I don't believe in Christ. I would have said, yeah, I go to church. I don't make good decisions all the time. But I go to church. And Jade's like, no, nah, Kyle, you are not following God at all. And it was one of those moments when someone's talking to you. Because any time in the past, I just, you shut up, dude. You're my younger brother. What, you Just be quiet. But the Holy Spirit took over and said, you hush your mouth and listen to him. And I took it. And he looked at me and he goes, you're lost. You think you're saved? You are lost. He said this to me. He goes, if you died right now, I'm not so sure where you'd go. And I was like, mm. he goes, you know it and I know it. Everybody thinks you're this, but I know the real Kyle. My brother doesn't have the opportunity to share that with me if he was lukewarm. How many opportunities? Pastor Jim, who's been, was the pastor here for years, I've heard him say this a million times. We don't want to stand before God someday and say, here's what you could have done, but this is what you did. I've heard you say that many, 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 many times. It's the truth. But here's what I do know. I can't go back, and neither can you. I can't go back and get time back with my kids. I can't go back and get conversations that I wish would have went differently. 
None of us can. We can't go back in time. And I don't think God wants us to sit around and feel terrible about missed opportunities. I do think he wants to get busy seizing those opportunities that we have now. I was counseling somebody one time and they were so frustrated with themselves that they'd messed up all these opportunities with their kids growing up because they, didn't, they weren't a Christian until later when their kids were basically grown. And my message to them was, and it's the truth, instead of spending all your time focused on the missed opportunities, because you can't do anything about that, spend all your time making the most of the opportunities you have now. So we don't need to sit around and say, man, I'm, how many times over the years did I miss it? Well, you missed it. If you did, I don't know, if you did. Instead, we can say, Lord, I don't want to be that lukewarm person. Would you show me some areas in my life where I'm being lukewarm? Because the last thing I want to do is for you to spit me out of your mouth. Laodicea was proud of their wealth. The town of Laodicea and the church, you know how the church kind of gets caught up in the same thing, the town, so to speak. I mean, Lot got really close to this town and then his family started taking on some of the attributes of the town a little bit. They got caught up in their wealth. They got caught up in what the world says success is. They got caught up in all these things that we feel like are important. And Jesus said, you're lukewarm. And then you look at Philadelphia from a world's perspective. They didn't have near the finances. They were, they were simple people with simple jobs. They, they weren't people that were flashy. In fact, Scripture says they had little strength. The church, he's writing to the church in Laodicea. They're probably not a very big group of people. They don't have a lot of resources. And God calls them faithful. He says, you've been obedient to our word. I want to tell you, my wife got straight A's in school. She was awesome at knowing what's on the test. I want you to know, church, we need to know what's on the test. We need to know what this life is all about. And this life is about following Christ. It's not about your kid perfecting everything in the world that the world wants. It's about them knowing Jesus. If they stand before God and they're so skilled at all these things, but they don't know Christ, it doesn't matter. And you can have the greatest job and have the greatest this and the greatest that and have all the things that make you comfortable and stand before God and He doesn't want anything to do with you because you are not following Christ. Jesus died. We're going to take communion in just a minute. Because he loves us. God is not a God of hate. He loves us. But he's the only door. You can't find the door in alcohol and drugs and sex and money and wealth and relationships and status. None of that is the door to salvation. And none of that leads to eternal life. It's through Christ in walking through that first door and not staying in that room, but continuing to walk and serve and be what Christ wants us to be.
So this morning, because he loved the Laodicean church, he didn't give up on them. They kicked him out. I don't know about you. How many of us have said that to our, to, to our kids before? Well, they're being mean to you? Well, then they're not your friends. Don't have anything to do with them. Don't even mess with them. They're not your friends. They're, they don't have your best interest at heart. Just move on. He could have, Jesus could have done that to us, and he didn't. He stands and he says, hey, hey. So for the purpose of the message, Philadelphia was faithful, Laodicea was lukewarm. Maybe just because there's a lot watching online right now and we have however many in here, there's probably group people in both of these categories. And maybe another category where you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because lukewarm people would believe in Jesus. So if you don't even have a relationship with Jesus, you just need to know today you can have a relationship with Jesus before you leave this place. But some of you are being faithful and it's lead, leading to being fruitful. And if that's you today, I want to tell you there's a scripture that says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So if you're being faithful, teenagers, you're being faithful with your purity, you're trying to be faithful at school, don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. It will pay off. Adults, single moms, single dads, you are tired. Your, your, your husband or your wife or your boss is being stupid and you continue to do the right thing and you're weary. Do the right thing. Keep doing the right thing. Don't give up. Continue to be faithful. Do not get tired, in being in, do not get tired or weary in doing good. There's a promise for at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Not the world's version of a harvest, but God's. I shared with you my grandma's 93. She's like the nicest lady in the world. I've never met anybody that doesn't, that's had any kind of conversation with her at all that doesn't say she is the sweetest lady. That's a harvest. She sowed that harvest for 93 years. Well, you don't know me. I don't have that harvest. Well, God can give you a new harvest. He can change your life and the people around you if you'll continue to be faithful to him. And I believe the Holy Spirit's here today because there's some of us in this room or online that we are complacent in our walk with Christ. People will come up to me after church on messages like this and say, you're talking to me. And I'm like, I don't know your story. What if you just simply said to Christ, Lord, I don't want to be complacent. Show me the doors I need to walk through. Every time we tell God no, it just drives home our complacency. And delayed obedience is disobedience. Did, did y'all, did we know that? Do we know that? And we've all done that. 
And maybe this morning, I'm going to invite the band to come at this time. Maybe this morning you would say, hey, I don't know. I really don't even have a relationship with Jesus. John tells us if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we can be saved. Did you know that? Some of us have credit card debt. Imagine some of us maybe have a lot of credit card debt. Hopefully none of us do, but maybe somebody does. Imagine if somebody came in and said, it's gone. It's all gone. It doesn't matter how much debt you have. $20 million in debt, $50 million, $80 billion, it doesn't matter. It's gone. I'm covering it. You're like relieved. Oh, man. I don't even need you to, to sit there and focus on all of it. You just need to know, don't do it again. Don't go down that road. Don't rack up your credit cards again. Be better for it. It's gone. Christ came and died so that we don't have to sit around and focus on our mistakes or the mistakes that someone else has made towards us. You know, sometimes the issue isn't something we've done. It's forgiving the issue that someone else has done. And Christ is enough. His grace is sufficient for you to forgive the person who molested you. His grace is sufficient to to allow you to forgive people while they're doing things to you. His grace is sufficient for you to deal with a boss that frustrates you. His grace is sufficient to keep you swimming and your head above water when you're going through a pandemic. I was telling Witt the other day, we were talking about this. There's a lot of people right now that are walking around like they've dealt with trauma because of what's going on. Most of us. We're walking around depressed and we're trying to act like everything's okay and we're keeping our head up and we're going, but there's just this thing inside of us because we it's like dealing with all this stuff, wave after wave after wave. Christ is sufficient. He's enough. There's more than just Jesus is the door. Jesus made the door when he died so that we could not just walk through that door, but continue to walk through doors and doors and doors and grow and help and train and recruit and make disciples. So allow your faithfulness to lead to fruitfulness, Philadelphia. Laodicea, realize that your complacency causes you to miss opportunities. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can. I'll ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. We're getting ready to take communion. We wash our hands before we eat dinner, and I want us to think about washing our hearts today. Is there any sin in your life? Is there anything you need to give it over to Christ If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can just simply pray this. Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. But I pray that you would come into my heart. 
I pray that you forgive me for my sins. And I repent today. I want to follow you. I want to be faithful. For some of you today who are lukewarm, talk to God about it. What do you need to tell God? I'm not going to give you the prayer. You, you, you've been around the church. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, what do you need to confess? What do you need to tell him this morning? Do that right now. Just, just tell him. And maybe for some in here, you are faithful, you're like Philadelphia, but you are tired and you're weary. You're so weary. You're so tired. May you hear God whisper to you, I am with you. I am with you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, you can open your eyes if you want. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was explaining to them that he was going to have to leave, but he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And they, just like some of us sometimes, they didn't completely understand what he was saying, but they maybe got glimpses here and there. And they had eaten dinner together lots of times they would recline at the table together and eat so it was it didn't feel like you know a sacred communion thing probably at first because they just eat together but then the mood changed after dinner and he began to kind of explain to them who he was you've got your communion cups there in front of you go ahead and peel the wrapper back on your on your uh, on your bread And he's explaining to them these things. And he says, listen, my my body's going to have to be broken. I'm going to have to die. Peter's like, no. No. No, I'm going to have to die. In fact, in Isaiah 53, I think it's 53, says, by his stripes we are healed. When you were crucified back then, they would lay you over a stump And I think tradition was like 48, Adam, wasn't it 49? 39, well, some, was a lot. 39 stripes across the back. One, two, and so on. I, sometimes they would have to dislocate their arms to get them to reach the holes that they had put in in the tree. I have sensitive feet. Can you imagine railroad ties or big nails going through somebody's feet? And they're mocking him, right, the whole time. We all know this, but man, we got to remember it, don't we? And not only was he physically going through this, but remember when I said that Jesus died because he's with you in the middle of pandemic? He hears, I'm with you. But listen, when Jesus was on the cross, 
something called propitiation happened, which means that God literally turned his back on his son. So that's why Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for a while, God even withdrew his spirit from his son. I mean, when we're going through hard things as a believer, we at least feel his strength. We at least feel his support. We at least feel like you're there with me. Jesus didn't feel it. He's physically being tortured. He's emotionally drained. And now his support system in his father is gone. And in the middle of that, he prays, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus is the door. And he breathed his last breath. In fact, there's these two guys on either sides of him. They actually were guilty. And one of them's mocking him. Hey, if you're God, you say you're God, then get us off of here. Get yourself off of here. You obviously have the power to get yourself off of here. Then get yourself off of there. And the other thief is like, shut up, dude. Hey, Jesus, when you get to paradise, remember me. The dude was guilty. He was guilty. He was guilty. That's why he was up there. He was asphyxiating. He literally, you have to hold yourself up to breathe. It would, I mean, he was, it was horrible. He didn't have time for the thief to tell him everything that he had done wrong. Jesus didn't need him to. He said, I tell you the truth. Today, because you believe in me, you will be in paradise. Fast forward to 2021 and we're sitting here. Somebody invited you here today or you just decided to come or you decided to tune in this morning and you're here and you are not here by accident. You have a window. You have a door this morning. Jesus is a door. The door is open. Will you walk through the door? Some of you have have felt the Holy Spirit to say to you that you are lukewarm. That's the Holy Spirit opening the door. Now you have a decision. Am I going to stay lukewarm? You have a decision. God's a gentleman. He's not going to make you. Am I going to stay lukewarm? Or am I going to walk through and say enough is enough? I'm following you with everything I got. So Christ's body was broken. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces. He said, this is actually my body. When you just broke that bread, this is my body, which is given for you. do this to remember and we do this today to remember so if you want take the bread because you have a choice you don't have to but if you decide and you choose take the bread and remember again that Christ's body was broken for you and be thankful
Thank you, Jesus. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Peter, you say no. You don't even know what you're talking about. None of you can find salvation if I don't bleed. See, Jesus looks at us and he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of Jesus that covers our sin and he views us as the righteousness of God, not because we're righteous, but the blood that covers us as righteous. Aren't you glad? This cup is a new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink. Take the juice and drink and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and for me. Let's stand together this morning. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We've got a couple songs. Our altars are open. If you'd like to come and pray for yourself, maybe, maybe you don't know Christ today. You'd like to come and just and pray that. Maybe you'd like to come and give praise because sometimes we think of the altars as just a place of where we've done something wrong and we need to confess. But it's also a, a place to give thanks to God. Has God been faithful, church? Has God been faithful, church? Some of you maybe want to come and say, God, you've been faithful to me. Or maybe, because every single one of us have this, maybe God has placed on your heart someone you work with or live with or know that is lost. We have names on prodigal boards you can come pray for. Or maybe someone you know that you'd like they would never find Jesus. Man, lose that lukewarm mentality. They can find Christ. Pray for them. Let's worship.